Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey guys, welcome to God's Whole Story. Uh, my name is Ryan. I'm here today with Mandy, and we're also joined by Brad Aldrich. Hello, Brad. Hello there. So, Brad, do you mind just telling us uh, who you are and what you're up to around here? Sure. I am the pastor of marriage and family here at Worship Center and love working with families and couples as they're growing in their relationships. That seems like a really great way to just say exactly what you do, right? Yep. All right. Fantastic. And And we love that you do it. If you've been on the podcast before, you no longer have a last name. It was, hey, this is Mandy and this is Brad Aldrich. Oh yeah. If you've been here before, (laughs) we just skip your last name. They never heard your last name. All right, guys. It's Mandy Johnson. Thank you so much. It's really good to be here. You want to at her somewhere? That's fine. Um, I don't think that's how you say it. Yeah, you at people. I think it's tag, isn't it? Well, maybe it's a generational thing. <laughs> All right, so... <laughs> Neither one of us are on social media, so for us to have this whole conversation about what it's you fantastic. do... It's <laughs> fantastic. That's great. So today we're in 2 Samuel 19. Uh, as we, ju- we, we always read it first and then talk about it, and then you guys hear it backwards. Uh, but as we just read over it, it's a little bit of a wild ride, actually. There's a lot of... Really strange killing going on. Uh, there's there's a psalm thrown in there for good measure. Um, so it's it's interesting. What we get is a little bit of the fallout from some of the stuff we've been reading already. Uh, David just recently like fled from Jerusalem because one of his sons was claiming authority and the throne. Um, there's like loyalties all over the place that are just getting a little bit wild. Um, so when we come into Second Samuel 19. David is now back, but there's still people that are kind of contesting him. Um, my feeling as we read over this thing is that really what we're dealing with here, and obviously, like, this is like violence. It's extreme violence. You're going to hear about some people that are secretly stabbed, some people that get their heads cut off. <laughs> Stay tuned, guys. <laughs> um, but really, it's it's what happens when loyalties just kind of get out of control. It really feels a lot like some pretty wild politics are going on here, and people are so loyal to their guy um, that that they're willing to do some pretty crazy things. They're willing to seek out and assassinate people. They're willing to kill other people for some strange reason. It's all about fighting over who's going to have power. There's a lot of fallout from, to me, what sticks out is that uh, the fallout is from the fact that they wanted this king so bad. And like it, it just keeps piling on top of things, like why this is not good. Um, so yeah, as, as we read over it, like what sticks out to you guys as we're looking at this thing? I would say, you know, exactly what you said there, Ryan, is this whole passage is almost like the 10,000 foot view of this, these people that God has said, I love all of you. And you just see them polarized and warring between each other. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, God's not even necessarily picking a side here because he didn't want any of this. Mm -hmm. But he's just kind of looking over and going, here's here's the chaos that's reigning when you have power and jealousy and you try and kill people to make something that happened before right, mm-hmm. which doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And it actually just it, creates more dead people. It creates, it creates more hurt. And like we see in here the effects of grief. You know, we see, I, I'm going to kill these people to try and make something I did wrong right, but now there's somebody who's grieving so much that they're, you know, laying in a field for months watching their families' bodies decompose. It's pretty nasty. nasty. I mean, what what Brad is specifically referring to is there's this little story about uh, David avenging the Gibeonites. Um, The Gibeonites have like a pretty old beef. 
So if you really want to dig into this stuff, you can look at Joshua 9. In Joshua 9, uh, the Gibeonites kind of trick Joshua. So Joshua is supposed to wipe out the people. He's supposed to drive people out of Canaan. The Gibeonites trick him into thinking they're from super far away. So he creates like a treaty, a contract, a covenant with these people that they will be protected. So when Joshua creates that covenant, it is binding. He has to respect those people. Um, Saul, apparently, for some reason, when he became king, did not respect these people. Now, again, like it's been a bit of time since Joshua till we get to Saul. It's a long time. Uh, but these people feel the disrespect that Saul has given them, so they feel like they're entitled to some kind of some kind of restitution. And so David, you had talked about this a little bit, Brad. Like David, pretty hastily, like tries to whip something together. So he's just like, "Okay, what do you want?" And they're like, "We we want a bunch of dead people." He's like, "Okay." Well, I think a couple of things. One, if you're under the age of 30, when Ryan said they have a beef, that isn't a cut of meat. That is an old way of saying <laughs> that maybe there's a problem. I've been spending too much time in youth ministry, actually. <laughs> but I actually, I think it's important to look at timeline, right? Because this is literally the United States going back to England and going, King George didn't treat us well back in the it's Revolution. Very, very Give old. Us stuff. And it's mm-hmm. like, that is so long ago. Mm-hmm. But yet they're still holding on to this. Stuff. Okay, yep. and that's what I was going to say. And every day we keep reading, the layers of grief are piling on. And mm-hmm. what people aren't dealing with is not going away on its own. And so it might sound crazy. Like, it's been hundreds of years since that covenant. And by the way, that covenant situation, I love that because there's a line in there that says, um, I looked at like I looked at the evidence, but I did not consult the Lord. And that is so powerful, right? Like, when we talk, when we're talking about all this stuff, the bottom line is no one is consulting the Lord. Like people were like, yeah, we want a king. We want a king, right? No one's consulting the Lord. This is where we get ourselves into a lot of trouble, right? We look at the evidence with our own eyes. And Brad, I think you were saying this, like we will always find what we're looking for. If you're loyal to David, you're going to be loyal to David. Even if he goes in the deep end, you're still loyal to him because you've actually stopped consulting the Lord. Well, and you'll make it in your mind like, well, yeah, that's okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what's happening. But we see these layers of grief that just keep piling up. And and in the last, I think yesterday's um, reading, we talked about how David just seems exhausted. The fact that he ran away when Absalom was going to try to take over, when he was just kind of like, okay, like, I guess if that's what's going to happen, that's going to happen. I think we think he's like, you know, just probably like knee deep in grief, depression, sadness, exhaustion. And now he comes back and he's here and it's like, everything just keeps getting worse because nobody's dealing with what they need to deal with. Nobody's actually asking God. Even David's response, this was so fast. Yeah, tell me what you need. They're like, we need seven dead people immediately. And they're like, we got you. We'll kill all these people. And it's like, then this mother is mourning and grieving and and protecting dead bodies from the birds and the beasts. It's like, it's incredibly sad what is happening. Um, In that, there's this psalm that's, that gets thrown in here. Um, This has been quite a journey for me with having these Psalms thrown in because like, I love all these Psalms so much. And then I get them in the middle of David being crazy. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the prayers I resonate with were were written by a crazy person. It's like, wait, why do I resonate so deeply? (laughs) Oh no. So anyway, this one specifically, I find it interesting that he says, God's an honest judge and like he is always protecting those who are upright and like have these pure minds and hearts. And I'm like, okay, David, are you included in that? Like, because you keep making a lot of weird choices, but at the end of it, we talk about this line that says, uh, 
you know, they dig a deep pit to trap others, then fall into it themselves. The trouble they make for others backfires on them. And I just think about that, like, oftentimes it's easy to look around at other people who are making poor choices and forget the law of reaping and sowing. And we look around and think, how are you getting away with it? Guess what? Spoiler alert. No one's actually getting away with anything. Really, like the like we always will reap what we sow. And and this psalm is kind of a reminder of that. But I do find it interesting that he's harping so much on God protects those who are upright and honest and things like that. Do you think he was talking about himself? I mean, I think he probably thinks that he is pretty upright and honest. I mean, we see we see Brad shaking his head. He's like, nope, he doesn't think that. <laughs> he knows he's a mess. He's definitely a mess. There's no David, doubt about that. You David, think he knows it? Absolutely. David, over and over again in the Psalms, comes back to, I am depressed. I am lost. I have nothing. I feel like dirt. Mm-hmm. And Maybe this was just an update for yeah, him. This was like, an update. He's like, and, okay. Honestly, okay, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but honestly, if he David was living today, we would call him bipolar because mm. he has these very depressed days and then these very up days. And it's like, what's going on here? And this day he was focused on justice that he deserved because other people wronged it's him. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's totally right. I think that... The the reason I like reading the Psalms in the context of actually when he's writing these things mm-hmm. is because looking at the bigger picture is like, oh my gosh, like you do, you do start to see some of the ugly pieces of it, but you also get to see the motivations of it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there's, there's just tons of stuff swirling around with this thing. How many times have we given messages to our friends out of exactly what God's trying to speak mm. to our heart? And I think that's what David's doing here. He is he is saying, yes, God is my shield. But he knows that pit that you just read. That's the pit he keeps falling into. Mm. Yeah, it is. That's, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. How often do I do that? Every day in parenting. <laughs> Several times a day? I give I give this amazing dissertation, and then I'm like, Ooh. Ah, shoot, I got to go to my prayer closet. <laughs> that was real. So here's the, here's the big thing as we kind of like wrap up today. The big thing that I keep thinking about in this conversation is as we've been walking through God's whole story, right? A lot of this started all the way back when God says to Abraham, your people will be my representatives. Like you will be a royal priesthood, like a nation of people who follow the real and true God. When we read about this stuff, when we read about these political divisions that are going on, because that's actually what it is. It's 100% like, mm-hmm. who are you loyal to? Who do you want to be the next king? Um, they gave up. Like, like, There is this soaring thing that they are called to do. They have this incredible opportunity to be God's chosen people, the people that God is revealing himself to the world through how they live their lives. They gave it up. And it's like, it's going off the rails because now instead of being focused on God revealing himself to the world, it's like, well, I like this king. I'd like him to be the next king, please. And I can't imagine what that's like for God to see this happen. I mean, he's not surprised by it. Um, but it's just, it's just a horrible, horrible miss. And so I think for me, it's just, it's a daily reminder daily, because we're reading through this thing every single day of like, man, I don't want to miss what God is enabling me to do. Like this incredible opportunity that God has given me to be chosen by him to represent him in the way that I live my life. I don't ever want to sell that so that I can follow somebody that I think should be king or follow something that I would rather be loyal to and just go way off the rails because we're seeing here and it's easy to be like, Oh, the old Testament, these are old Testament people in an old Testament way of life. 
Like they are doing insane things because they think they're loyal to the rightful next heir. Uh, when in reality, they should just be actually focused on bringing um, God's grace to the world, God's kingdom to the world. So Absolutely. Yeah. And, and this is setting up why it is that we needed Jesus. Right? Oh, 100%. We, we, this is showing why an earthly king is not somebody that we can actually follow. We and, should never and do we that. we still do that today, right? <laughs> we still put these people in this, this position of power, but... It's really showing over and over again what we need to put our trust in is Jesus. 100%. I have so many questions, but I do think you're trying to wrap it up. But What's your just question? like real quick, yeah. how, how fast for you or why is it so easy for people to miss? I mean, we people... People are chosen by God. We have these things that God has given us and laid before us. And we have this promise that he's ordering our steps. He's literally ordering our steps, showing us the way to go. Yeah. Why is it so easy to throw it all away? And I know the answer could be our humanity, our brokenness, the garden. But I want like a real answer. I think it's actually fantastic to feel tribal. So like like in an election season, it actually feels pretty good to be like, no, I'm a Republican. Like I'd stick with the Republicans or I, you know, I'm a Democrat. I hang with the Democrats. And it's actually pretty weird to say, yeah, I'm actually not into any of it. Like, I just want to be about what God's about. Um, and I think, I think there is some tribal factors to that that like play in your mind. And I think we do actually just give it up by accident a lot of times. So there's a really interesting, we're we're definitely off the rails in our podcast now, probably, but there's a really interesting, uh, in the screw tape letters by CS Lewis. It's like this demon, the, the whole thing is it's written by a demon trying to help another demon uh, get a Christian to give up their faith. And there's this whole chapter about, hey, you don't actually have to get a Christian to give up their faith. That's asking way too much of them. They'll catch on to that pretty quick. All you have to do is get them to be really into something else, and eventually they'll be more into that something else than Jesus. So his example in that book, because it's written like in the World War II, kind of swirling of violence and that kind of stuff in the world, that's the context actually when he was writing the book. Um, the, the example that he uses is pacifism. So like you don't need to get Christians to give up being Christians. You just have to get them to be really passionate about being pacifist because eventually they'll be pacifist instead of Christian. I think that's what we do all the time. So fascinating. Amen. All right, guys. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Bye. Second Samuel 19. Barzillai of Gilead had come down from Rogalim to escort the king across the Jordan. He was very old, 80 years of age, and very wealthy. He was the one who had provided food for the king during his stay in Mahanaim. Come across with me and live in Jerusalem, the king said to Barzillai. I will take care of you there. No, he replied, I am far too old to go with the king to Jerusalem. I am 80 years old today and I can no longer enjoy anything. Food and wine are no longer tasty and I cannot hear the singers as they sing. I would only be a burden to my lord, the king. Just to go across the Jordan River with the king is all the honor I need. Then let me return again to die in my own town where my father and mother are buried. But here is your servant, my son, Kimham. Let him go with my lord, the king, and receive whatever you want to give him. Good, the king agreed. Kimham will go with me, and I will help him in any way you would like, and I will do for you anything you want. So all the people crossed the Jordan with the king. After David had blessed Barzillai and kissed him, Barzillai returned to his own home. The king then crossed over to Gilgal, taking Kimham with him. All the troops of Judah and half the troops of Israel escorted the king on his way. 
But all the men of Israel complained to the king. The men of Judah stole the king and didn't give us the honor of helping take you, your household, and all your men across the Jordan. The men of Judah replied, The king is one of our own kinsmen. Why should this make you angry? We haven't eaten any of the king's food or received any special favors. But there are ten tribes in Israel, the others replied. So we have ten times as much right to the king as you do. What right do you have to treat us with such contempt? Weren't we the first to speak of bringing him back to be our king again? The argument continued back and forth, and the men of Judah spoke even more harshly than the men of Israel. There happened to be a troublemaker there named Sheba, son of Bichri, a man from the tribe of Benjamin. Sheba blew a ram's horn and began to chant, Down with the dynasty of David, we have no interest in this son of Jesse. Come on, you men of Israel, back to your homes. So all the men of Israel deserted David and followed Sheba, son of Bichri. But the men of Judah stayed with their king and escorted him from the Jordan River to Jerusalem. When David came to his palace in Jerusalem, he took the ten concubines he had left to look after the palace and placed them in seclusion. Their needs were provided for, but he no longer slept with them. So each of them lived like a widow until she died. Then the king told Amasa, mobilize the army of Judah within three days and report back at that time. So Amasa went out to notify Judah, but it took him longer than the time he had been given. Then David said to Abishai, Sheba, son of Bikri, is going to hurt us more than Absalom did. Quick, take my troops and chase after him before he gets into a fortified town where we can't reach him. So Abishai and Joab, together with the king's bodyguard and all the mighty warriors, set out for Jerusalem to go after Sheba. As they arrived at the great stone in Gibeon, Amasa met them. Joab was wearing his military tunic with a dagger strapped to his belt. As he stepped forward to greet Amasa, he slipped the dagger from his sheath. How are you, my cousin? Joab said and took him by the beard with his right hand as though to kiss him. Amasa didn't notice the dagger in his left hand, and Joab stabbed him in the stomach with it so that his insides gushed out onto the ground. Joab did not need to strike again, and Amasa soon died. Joab and his brother Abishai left him lying there and continued after Sheba. One of Joab's young men shouted to Amasa's troops, If you are for Joab and David, come and follow Joab. But Amasa lay in his blood in the middle of the road, and Joab's men saw that everyone was stopping to stare at him. So he pulled him off the road into a field and threw a cloak over him. With Amasa's body out of the way, everyone went on with Joab to capture Sheba, son of Bichri. Meanwhile, Sheba traveled through all the tribes of Israel and eventually came to the town of abel beth All the members of his own clan, the Bichrites, assembled for battle and followed him into the town. When Joab's forces arrived, they attacked Abel Beth Makkah. They built a siege ramp against the town's fortifications and began battering down the wall. But a wise woman in the town called out to Joab, listen to me, Joab, come over here so I can talk to you. As he approached, the woman asked, are you Joab? I am, he replied. So she said, listen carefully to your servant. I'm listening, he said. Then she continued, there used to be a saying, if you want to settle an argument, ask advice at the town of Abel. I am one who is peace-loving and faithful in Israel, but you are destroying an important town in Israel. Why do you want to devour what belongs to the Lord? And Joab replied, believe me, I don't want to devour or destroy your town. That's not my purpose. All I want is a man named Sheba, son of Bichri from the hill country of Ephraim, who has revolted against King David. If you hand over this one man to me, I will leave the town in peace. All right, the woman replied, we will throw his head over the wall to you. Then the woman went to all the people with her wise advice, and they cut off Sheba's head and threw it out to Joab. So he blew the ram's horn and called his troops back from the attack. They all returned to their homes, and Joab returned to the king at Jerusalem. Now Joab was the commander of the army of Israel. Benaiah, son of Jehodai, was captain of the king's bodyguard. Adoniram was in charge of forced labor. Jehoshaphat, son of Ahulud was the royal historian. Shiva was the court secretary. Zadok and Abathar were the priests. And Ira, a descendant of Jer, was David's personal priest. 
Psalm 7, a psalm of David, which he sang to the Lord concerning Cush of the tribe of Benjamin. I come to you for protection, O Lord my God. Save me from my persecutors. Rescue me. If you don't, they will maul me like a lion, tearing me to pieces with no one to rescue me. O Lord my God, if I have done wrong or am guilty of injustice, if I have betrayed a friend or plundered my enemy without cause, then let my enemies capture me. Let them trample me into the ground, drag my honor into the dust. Arise, O Lord, in anger. Stand up against the fury of my enemies. Wake up, my God, and bring justice. Gather the nations before you. Rule over them from on high. The Lord judges the nations. Declare me righteous, O Lord, for I am innocent, almost high. End the evil of those who are wicked and defend the righteous, for you look deep within the mind and heart, O righteous God. God is my shield, saving those whose hearts are true and right. God is an honest judge. He is angry with the wicked every day. If a person does not repent, God will sharpen his sword. He will bend and string his bow. He will prepare his deadly weapons and shoot his flaming arrows. The wicked conceive evil. They are pregnant with trouble and give birth to lies. They dig a deep pit to trap others, then fall into it themselves. The trouble they make for others backfires on them. The violence they plan falls on their own heads. I will thank the Lord because he is just. I will sing praise to the name of the Lord most high. 2 Samuel 21. There was a famine during David's reign that lasted for three years, so David asked the Lord about it. And the Lord said, The famine has come because Saul and his family are guilty of murdering the Gibeonites. So the king summoned the Gibeonites. They were not part of Israel, but but were all that was left of the nation of Amorites. The people of Israel had sworn not to kill them, but Saul, in his zeal for Israel and Judah, had tried to wipe them out. David asked them, What can I do for you? How can I make amends so that you will bless the Lord's people again? Well, money can't settle this matter between us and the family of Saul, the Gibeonites replied. Neither can we demand the life of anyone in Israel. What can I do then? David asked. Just tell me and I will do it for you. Then they replied, it was Saul who planned to destroy us to keep us from having any place at all in the territory of Israel. So let seven of Saul's sons be handed over to us and we will execute them before the Lord at Gibeon on the mountain of the Lord. All right, the king said, I will do it. The king spared Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, who was Saul's grandson, because of the oath David and Jonathan had sworn before the Lord. But he gave them Saul's two sons, Armoni and Mephibosheth, whose mother was Rizba, daughter of Ai. He also gave them the five sons of Saul's daughter, Merab, the wife of Adriel, son of Barzillai, from Meholah. The men of Gibeon executed them on the mountain before the Lord, so all seven of them died together at the beginning of the barley harvest. Then Rizba, daughter of Ai, the mother of two of the men, spread burlap on a rock and stayed there the entire harvest season. She prevented the scavenger birds from tearing at their bodies during the day and stopped wild animals from eating them at night. When David learned that Rizba, Saul's concubine, had done what she had done, he went to the people of Jabesh-Gilead and retrieved the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan. When the Philistines had killed Saul and Jonathan on Mount Gilboa, the people of Jabesh-Gilead stole their bodies from the public square of Bethshan, where the Philistines had hung them. So David obtained the bones of Saul and Jonathan, as well as the bones of the men of the Gibeonites, the bones of the men the Gibeonites had executed. Then the king ordered that they bury the bones in the tomb of Kish, Saul's father, at the town of Zelah in the land of Benjamin. After that, God ended the famine in the land. Once again, the Philistines were at war with Israel, and when David and his men were in the thick of battle, David became weak and exhausted. Ishbanab was a descendant of the giants. His bronze spearhead weighed more than seven pounds, and he was armed with a new sword. He had cornered David and was about to kill him. But Abishai, son of Zariah, came to David's rescue and killed the Philistine. Then David's men declared, You are not going out to battle with us again. Why risk snuffing out the light of Israel? After this, there was another battle against the Philistines at Gob. 
as they fought, Sebekai from Husha killed Saf, another descendant of the giants. During another battle at Gob, Elhanan, son of Jer from Bethlehem, killed the brother of Goliath of Gath. The handle of his spear was as thick as a weaver's beam. In another battle with the Philistines at Gath, they encountered a huge man with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in all, who was also a descendant of the giants. But when he defied and taunted Israel, he was killed by Jonathan, the son of David's brother, Shimeah. These four Philistines were descendants of the giants of Gath, but David and his warriors killed them. After this war... After this, war broke out with the Philistines at Gezer. As they fought, Sibachai from Husha killed Saf, a descendant of the giants, and so the Philistines were subdued. During another battle with the Philistines, Elhanan, son of Jer, killed Lami, the brother of Goliath of Gath. The handle of Lami's spear was as thick as a weaver's beam. In another battle with the Philistines at Gath, they encountered a huge man with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in all, who was also a descendant of the giants. But when he defied and taunted Israel, he was killed by Jonathan, the son of David's brother, Shimea. These Philistines were descendants of the giants of Gath, but David and his warriors killed them all. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, it means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, if you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, we would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, you can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcast at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.